All right, next section is on architecting your position. Any slides that Andres covered, I'm going to skip through in 30 seconds or less to make sure we cover everything. This is the homework session that um, nobody wants to do. So it's really exciting to be like, oh, I'm going to be number one in my sandbox and number one in this, or I'm going to be top two in this. I'm going to dominate this space. That's easy to say, but anybody can say that they want to be in this powerful position. But if you're just sitting there streaming Hulu and Netflix every day saying that, the world's not going to know. They're never going to find you. The most highly paid rocket scientist is not the one with the most degrees or the smartest one. It's the most well-known rocket scientist. And you, know, you have to put out your best ideas out there or people won't even know that you exist. You have to add value to other people first. You have to deliver and uh, build trust first. Uh, and so this is all about architecting that position. If you say, I want to be number one for billionaire family offices or how to start a family office or centimillionaires or multifamily in Atlanta or health concierge, then it's just like this. And anyone else can wake up tomorrow and say the exact same thing and wander into your sandbox because you're not saying I have 10 employees or 65 million in assets or 22 employees or 15 years in business or we own 32 doors or Darwin German's done a billion dollars of transactions or Nathan has 17 medical practices, et cetera, right? So um, you're basically saying this, like, hey, come on and join me. Anyone who wants to invade my sandbox, it's super easy. And a toddler in the industry can just wander in with no friction at all. You want them to look at what you're doing and say, oh, I don't want to compete against Daphne because look what he's built up around them. If I want to compete there, it's going to take a lot of heavy lifting if I want to compete head to head. So let's play a different game. Let's not say that we're the number one law firm in the state of Florida. Well, let's focus on Georgia because we already have some momentum in both states and let's just focus on Georgia going forward and try to be number one in that state in a different sandbox. So I was talking about this during the lunch break uh, with one of my friends here. And by the way, I, I looked for fun to see how many emails we'd exchanged in the past to get to a meeting today. And we had exchanged 82 emails to get to the point of today saying, okay, let's move forward and work together in this way. And it took some phone calls, me going to his office, following up whenever I was in Dallas, and 82 emails later, I think we're ready to work together. And that's pretty average uh, for follow-up for a important joint venture or choke point type partnership. Um, over, and that's a period of like a year that we exchanged those emails. Um, so it does take persistence and follow-up. And what you want is for someone to perceive your sandbox and see this. So they don't want to come into your sandbox. They want to do something slightly different, totally different, or partner with you instead of trying to go over you or through you. Um, so Andres talked about this. These things play off of each other. You could be a horrible writer, like I naturally am. You know, I've written 13 books, and my TA at Harvard is from the Czech Republic, and she read my final paper that I, I had revised several times, chalked it all up in red, and in her first question, question when she sat down with me and I saw all the red, she said, uh, is English your first language? And I said, yeah, <laughs> it is, and my last, because I suck at even my native language. Uh, and so I'm bad at writing. I, I would doubt there's many people in here worse than me at writing. You've probably seen an error or two come through the email blast. My team catches me. We have a full-time copywriter now. We didn't have that till last year. Uh, but that is not my strength. The first time I got invited to publicly speak, I couldn't even eat that day, and I thought I was going to throw up, even though I hadn't eaten anything. So I'm not natural at any of this stuff. But whatever you're really bad at, you can just do that last, right? So if you if you're don't want to even speak live in front of a live audience on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, that's fine. You could record a podcast. And if you're bad at that, just interview someone via email to say, hey, here's seven questions. Can you answer those? And now you have a blog where you've done an interview. Now you're more connected. You have more insights. You're adding value to people. Then you can go to a podcast where you can always edit something out. If you stammer and get stuck, you can always edit that part out before you publish the podcast. That's no big deal. Once you do a podcast interview, then you can transcribe that with Rev.com. And the fastest way to write a book is just to have a 12-point PowerPoint slide 
give it as a webinar, give it as a talk at some local groups 10 times, and the 12th time you give that talk, you just record it and transcribe it, and each slide of your PowerPoint could be a chapter of your book. And each slide you do a little bit on um, you know, a case study, a best practice, a pitfall to avoid, et cetera. And then that's the easiest way to write a book versus the most painful way.